Hello, and welcome to What Is My Podcast About? This is a podcast where we sit down on a fortnightly basis and discuss a topic to figure out what we're going to make a podcast about. My name is Peter Nathaniel Graves Akerley, and I am joined, as always, by Keith Ramsey. Hello. And Matthew Grace. Hello. I so, just realized you uh, always give your middle name, but you never give ours. I'm going to be honest. I just like saying my middle name. Where I have the hyphenated last name, I always feel like I... So this is a, a not what we're talking about on today's podcast. But because I have the hyphenated last name and it makes me have to say so many extra syllables, when I was in fucking junior high, I just decided to say as many syllables as possible. So I just started saying my middle name. Uh, and then it got to the point where I just started making up fucking postscripts to my name to like make it even longer. Like I just started referring to myself as Peter Nathaniel Graves Akerley the third. Uh and people were like, wow, are you actually the third with that name? And I was like, no, I'm the first. I just want to call myself the third for some reason. <laughs> uh and then like I just started calling myself like Duke of Bedford and shit like that just to like stretch it out even further because I don't know, I got a complex about my name apparently that I'm now discovering. Uh what's up with you guys? What are your middle names? I don't know your middle names. Matt, what's your middle name? Steven. Stephen and Keith Edward. Oh, Keith Edward Ramsey and Matthew Stephen Grace. Yep, that's now a part of our intro. Anytime I'm hosting, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it up to you how to spell my middle name because I didn't know how to spell my middle name correctly until uh, around grade five. Fun fact: I also didn't know how to spell my middle name because I kept getting fucked up by the IE versus EI problem. I just can't spell. That's true. Fair enough. So, other than us having middle names, what's going on in the world? Uh, so, I think uh, something of interest, and this is kind of a small thing to start off with, uh, but you guys are aware of uh, the Super Monkey Ball game coming up, right? Yep. Did you ha sure. happen to see who the new character announced for the game is? No. Is it Sephiroth? No, it's Beat from Jet Set Radio. What? Yeah, Wait, they, what? They put Beat from Jet Set Radio in Super Monkey Ball. Oh my god. I've, I've got to see this. I've got part to search of, this up. Part of me is like, my god, I hope that this means that they're doing something with the Jet Set franchise. This does feel like a way to draw up interest in Jet Set Radio through Super, Super Monkey Ball. You're 100% accurate. They're absolutely oh my god. putting Beat from Jet Set Radio inside of a ball and making him participate in Super Monkey Ball. Uh, and the cool it thing about... Be... Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I would say the cool thing about the gameplay, too, is instead of picking up bananas, he's picking up spray cans. Oh, my God. It shouldn't be called Super Monkey Ball anymore. It should just be called Super... Super Ball. ball. <laughs> Super Funky Ball. Super Funky Ball. Yeah, there we go. That's what it should be called. Super Funky Ball. And then I could ask people if they want to come over and play with my Super Funky Ball. And then they stop talking to me and run away. That's what life should be like. Man, I want a I want a new uh, Jet Set Radio game now. I abs I've wanted a new Jet Set Radio for the longest time. That game was super fun. I still think my favorite thing in that game was the fact that, in addition to having like the like pre coded spray paint signs that you could do, where like you do like the poison sign or some shit like that, um, you can also just take time in the editor to just work on your own spray paint and then upload that to the game, so that whenever you tag a site in game, you can. Put your own tag in there. Yep. What always annoyed me with uh, Jet Set Radio Future, though, it was originally, I think, an Xbox original game. But uh, 
You can also get it for the Xbox 360. However, it did not run nearly as smoothly on the 360 as it did on the original. Although I, I have heard they have incredibly fixed, upsetting. I've heard they have fixed that with later iterations of it, like going through uh, like the classic stuff, because they have the system actually built to run the games a bit better now. Right. Yeah, that's something I've been experiencing. So I've recently started playing through the Arkham series again. So Arkham Asylum, Arkham Cities, and Arkham Origins. Uh, I'll probably move on to Arkham Knight after I'm done with Arkham Origins. Uh, but you really get the vibe that they're from different generations of video games to the point where like Arkham Asylum and Arkham Cities have the really annoying feature where it feels like they weren't meant to run on PC. They were meant to run on console and they're running on PC as a side effect and it's just not great. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got to Arkham Origins and was just super happy about the fact that uh, it now works on PC and feels like it was made to work on PC. And I started streaming it to someone and Keith showed up, watched the stream and commented on how it looks like pretty bad compared to today's standards. Meanwhile, me having just played through two games much earlier in fucking video game history, I'm only thinking about how much better this looks by comparison. So Yeah, I believe my comment specifically was it's like uh, watching you play that game after the game I was just playing was the equivalent of playing a PlayStation 2 game for the first time and looking back on a PlayStation 1 game going, what can, any can anyone even tell what's going on there? Yeah. Oh, God. So... Other things happening in the world, presumably, or is it just huh? super monkey ball news? Yeah, well, uh, somewhat relatively recently, by relatively, I mean uh, the 24th of June, a new game came out by the name of Scarlet Nexus, which I've been playing, and I'm not going to talk too much about because I have decided as a fact that I am going to force this as a talking point for our podcast at some point in some regard. <laughs> Your next birthday. I just hope just I can remember. Just because uh, just the story is so goddamn good, and when you really get into it, it is insanely dark and twisted. Cool. Well, cool, spe cool, cool. Speaking of upcoming stories, I guess, uh, we are, as of recording this, a week away from uh, Marvel's What If. Ooh, that one should be fun. It's a lot of What If zombies and stuff. It's, it, it's just going to be, honestly, a way for them to bring in storylines that don't fit within the MCU, but that were fun, popular comic book runs, and this is a way for them to write those stories in a format where people who only consume Marvel through the MCU will still have a chance to experience it. Yeah. I I'm wondering how this is going to kind of fit into the fold of everything else, too, uh, considering that everything's been so interconnected at this point, and with this being an animated thing, you kind of feel like it wouldn't be directly connected, but I don't know oh. for sure. Not well, necessarily, because they had uh, Enter the Spider-Verse, didn't they? And that was animated. Yeah, but I mean, like, directly connected to the canon. Uh, that was True. done by Sony, but it's not connected to anything. It's True, but also they've just uh, started to bring in full force the concept of multiple realities in the multiverse. Yeah, so one thing I think is distinctly possible with uh, What If is it could just be its own separate thing that has no impact on the canon, but I think it's also entirely possible that this could be their way of doing a little bit of backstory for other storylines so that once we get the multiverse more fully established, they can start pulling those characters in and people aren't just like, why am I seeing Peggy Carter as Captain UK or whatever the fuck she was called? Um, 
I think it's Captain and Britain. So, Captain Britain, thank you. I don't know why I blanked so hard on her fucking name. <laughs> um, yeah, but this way they can pull in Peggy Carter as Captain Britain uh, through the multiverse, and instead of people just being confused, we already have a pseudo-backstory in the form of this What If series to kind of establish her as a character if they want to pull in these side characters. It can even just be a testing ground for seeing how well these kind of stories do in the MCU as a whole. But yeah, I'm looking forward to What If. Uh, and this is more of a me thing, but uh, the next uh, Rebuild of Evangelion movie comes out on Amazon Prime for its uh, North American release uh, on this uh, next Friday, actually. Yep. Uh, Evangelion, that's something I've definitely aware of. Yeah, that's a series that's been on my list of things I want to watch for the longest time. But the number of shows that I am currently in the middle of watching and I have yet to complete is just too long for me to warrant starting something else right um, now. Well, I highly recommend watching it so you know all about post-organic Avamech. Yes. Yep. Because that makes complete the, sense to me at the moment. Those are words I fully comprehend. Like I was the only one there for the anime episode, guys. Come on. No, you were here, and I remember you saying those exact words, and it. I'm still just drawing a blank. It's uh, not a completely foreign concept to me, <laughs> with all I've seen. Uh, and uh, another interesting thing in game news: uh, Have you guys heard about Hot Wheels Unleashed? Hot Wheels Unleashed. That, no, that's tickling my brain in the like back of it, but I can't remember the specifics. Uh, so it's kind of like a kart racer game where you play as Hot Wheels and you race on like Hot Wheel tracks, uh, and it's got a bunch of third party party stuff in there, like the DeLorean, the Ninja Turtles car, and all that. Snoopy, and it looks like it's a kart racer that actually might not be too bad. Interesting. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like the Micro Machines games from back in the day. If you guys played those, yeah. Nope. Oh man, Micro Machine games are great. But it's kind of like just one of those destruction derby type of car racing games, and it's more of like a party game with stupid fun, more so than I'm going to be number one. Okay. Yeah. See, I disagree with the Hot Wheels Unleashed because I Googled it real quick to see some uh, like images of what the gameplay will look like. Uh, and I think one of the key features about Hot Wheels tracks that some people seem to forget is the track is roughly the width of the car so that it has to go forward and can't like turn around 90 degrees and get jammed up and fucking break. And yet this shows the car, the track being like two to three times wider than the cars to allow for passing. And that's just not how actual Hot Wheels tracks worked. And so game's unplayable. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so show uh, you driving into a dog. God. Oh, that's a T-Rex. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's... It's always a T-Rex. Sometimes a giant octopus. Yes. Uh, and there was actually another movie that came out recently. Uh, the Suicide Squad family finally came out. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was... That. There was like... I was this fucking close to going to see that yesterday. Uh, but unfortunately, I had plans in the form of playing D&D, and I didn't want to cancel D&D just so I could go watch The Suicide Squad. Uh Kind of wish I did make that decision now because we ended up canceling D and D regardless because someone else couldn't make it. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that movie once I actually have the time. I might watch it, but uh, with how the other Suicide Squad movie turned out, I'm not 
in too much of a hurry to see this one. Uh, Matt, did you see Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. Did you enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy? I did. Uh, the director You'll... of this one was James Gunn, the guy who directed that, and he brought the same energy. Oh, okay. Well, a little more, a little more intrigued about it, but yeah. still, DC is not my oh fair uh, go-to for anything superhero. That's fair. I think the be- benefit they have now is where everything kind of went to shambles. Not everything is connected currently. It's just they're kind of just throwing shit out to see what works. So this one, uh, the Suicide Squad, definitely benefits from not being connected and playing loose and fast with all of like the lore stuff up. So. It's a sequel to Suicide Squad, the previous one, but it doesn't acknowledge Suicide Squad in any way or anything that happens. Okay. It just it's also, of... from what I can tell, like, way fucking goofier. Like, oh, Suicide yeah. Squad yeah. took itself very seriously, and, it, like, it had the occasional joke, and it had, like, the fun 90s music slash early 2000s music slash other decades of music as well, probably. But it definitely took itself very seriously and tried to make itself dark and gritty. Whereas this one, it just seems so fucking goofy that it's going to have to be great. Yeah, actually, uh, apparently they're very fast uh, with uh, killing characters off. So uh, don't go into this assuming anyone is safe from what I understand. Uh, As opposed to like the previous Suicide Squad, where I think they killed off what one character. Yeah, they killed off Slipknot at the beginning to raise the tension to make you think they might kill off characters, but then they didn't kill off a single other named character. Exactly. So uh, characters will die, and that's kind of the whole purpose of Suicide Squad. Characters die, like, you know, they're going out of style, I guess, but... Yeah, the whole point is it's supposed to be a squad of people who are just throwing their lives at a problem. Yeah, right. It's the fucking Zap Brannigan, I'm just going to throw people at this problem until they run out of the capacity to kill solution. Good old killbots. Good old killbots with their built-in kill limiters. Superheroes are grush. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like I said, I'm pretty that's... sure you will enjoy this, man, if you watch it. All right. That's the primary value of characters like Polka Dot Man. He spends what? most of the trailer talking about how he wants to not be alive anyways, so... Oh, I... I right. Call my shot now, he's the only character who makes it to the end of the movie because of how hard he's calling for his own death. That would be great. Yeah, I can see that happening. And then for the last bit of information, or news, I should say, that I have, uh, apparently PlayStation, or Sony, I should say, in this case, has announced that uh, we might be seeing an end to the shortages of PlayStation 5s. That's pretty fucking exciting. But I believe it, when I see uh, it. Yeah, well, this is purely because apparently they've worked out the details for, like, the pieces they were missing. Uh, so they plan to meet demands, and the whole problem's going to go away. But as some uh, savvy people on the internet have pointed out, the PlayStation 5 is selling much better than the PlayStation 4, but they're only planning on having as many PlayStation 5s before the end of the year as there were PlayStation 4s. So the PlayStation 4 also had a problem with selling uh, or having stock just because of how much it was in demand, and the PlayStation 5 is in more demand. Yeah, that's... Uh... A little disconcerting. Yeah. Well, I'm not too upset. I mean, the only PS5 exclusive title that I can think of off the top of my head that I wanted to play was the Demon Souls remaster. And since I've played the original, I'm not missing out on too much. Not just seeing it in better graphics, I guess. Better graphics with photo modes. Yeah. 
All right. I think it's time. No more putting this off. Today. Now I feel like putting it off. Fuck. Why is my brain like that? Time's uh, relevant. Our topic for today, uh, fair listener who doesn't bother looking ahead to find out, is Loki, the Disney Plus series. Um, yeah, the the Loki series. Yeah. Which is Loki one of the better Disney Plus series. Yeah, and time Loki gets messed up. <laughs> yep. Um, that's also a sentence. So, first of all, what were you guys' thoughts on the Loki series as a whole? It was enjoyable. Uh, after finishing the series, uh, my first thought was it felt a lot more like a Marvel movie than any of the other TV series that they've done. Yeah, the other Disney Plus series felt a lot more like they were world building and setting up for future movies. And while this one definitely probably was doing a bit of setup for future movies, it did feel a lot more like a self-contained story on its own. Well, And yeah. they finished the final episode with this will be continued in season two. So it was definitely setting up to a season two. Yeah. yeah. It like specifically held off to the point where like, it looked like they were going to do a teaser for an upcoming movie in like a post credit scene. And instead it was just, there's going to be a season two, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. It gave the whole, uh, like how the story building and payoff felt. It kind of felt like, uh, the whole Avengers end game of infinity war split kind of deal. Like, this is what happened. This is what we're going to deal with now. And see how it pays out in the next season. And also, Loki's just an amazing character. He is. And they did a... So, to go through kind of... By episode. Uh, episode 1, Glorious Purpose. Uh, all about, like, picking up the moment fucking Endgame left off with... Avengers traveling back in time, accidentally handing the fucking Tesseract right into Loki's hands, and then him using it to get away. Um, this episode did a lot of heavy lifting in getting Loki to the point he was in Endgame itself, in that we essentially, as he gets captured by the TVA, which is the Time Variance Authority, um, he essentially get shown the MCU movies from his perspective. So all the scenes in which he exists, just so he has memories, not even like proper memories, but he's aware of his character growth. Uh, and so he can kind of make choices based on the awareness of who he is as a person a little bit more. So the first episode, I will admit, is probably the least compelling from the series as a whole, just because it's doing a lot of getting the pieces in place. But then I feel like every episode after that one is just a straight fucking banger. Uh, yeah. to, to be fair, though, uh, I don't think Logan in this is back to where he was at the end, though. I think he's aware of it. He's on that change. But I feel like it's actually not much until much later in the series where he kind of gets rid of his trickster ways, in a sense. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, I don't mean he's fully back to what he is in the movies. It's more so just he's aware of what happened in the movie so he can have that growth in the future. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, he sees himself getting killed by Thanos. And I think that's a little traumatizing to him. That's fair. Uh, the one so, thing I will say that I really like about this episode, though, is... So, at the beginning, uh, Loki makes the very, very good case of 
he shouldn't be in trouble because he didn't break the timeline. The Avengers broke the timeline by traveling through time. He's only reacting to that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, what they were supposed to. And the beautiful thing about this is, uh, after finishing the series, you can see exactly why they were supposed to and why they got the pass from time travel is because uh, the uh, one who remains at the end had planned for Loki to always meet him at the end, so he had to do that in order for yeah. him yeah. to get there. That uh, See, I took issue with that line until you described it right there, because my issue with it was everything the Avengers do, they were supposed to do, which means that as a part of it, they were supposed to lose the Tesseract because they go further back in time uh, in order to re-grab the Tesseract as well as some Pym particles, um, which means that they were supposed to lose the Tesseract there. But logically, the only person in the room who could have taken the Tesseract and just fucked off with it is Loki. So that's the only way that they could have lost the Tesseract and not been able to recover it. So the fact that Loki was a variant there, whereas everything they did was the way it was supposed to be, kind of clashed and didn't make sense. But now that you point out that it was that way specifically so that uh, the one who remains could ensure that Loki gets picked up at that point and sent into the TVA because that's actually his fucking path. Yeah. Uh, kind of a beautiful thought that I hadn't considered. Yeah, because uh, he points it at the end, like every, every step of the way he paved the path for them up to that final episode. So everything happens to that point, including anything that looks like the timeline is being broken, was part of the plan. That's kind of genius. Yeah, that's why probably, because uh, in the later episode, when they're on that planet that's going to be destroyed, the reason there's the spike there indicating that there's going to be a variation, uh, some people have speculated it's because they were going to die, which isn't part of the plan. That's a good point. So, yeah, uh, this episode also kind of explains the whole TVA to us, uh, the concept of the sacred timeline. And the whole idea that uh, multiverses are a problem. And so uh, the timekeepers, in air quotes, and actually he who remains at the end, as we find out later, uh, essentially destroyed all other timelines and created just this one timeline, which is perfect in every way, in order to prevent a multiverse from happening so we don't get a multiversal war. Um, and then we're also explaining the concept of variants, which are people who happen to make choices they're not supposed to make and then immediately split the timeline uh, and create what are called Nexus events, which is just when the timeline starts splitting. This is all just fucking boilerplate explanation of terms that are going to be used throughout the series so you understand it now. Yeah, you kind of have to listen to very... Sorry, go ahead. I was saying you just kind of have to go along for the ride, too, because if you think about it too hard, it gets very confusing. Like, if you consider the fact that Loki, the war hasn't happened yet, and he's just about to go into the war as of the end of the series, but the one who remains, even though they're both occupying the same space, is from long after the war has ended, and it's already finished. Yeah. Um, so just don't think about it too much, but and accept that it is the way it is. Um, we get a couple of like, fun little behind-the-scenes, so Owen Wilson plays uh, Mobius and Mobius. And I, um, I was so surprised to see him walk onto set <laughs> but at the same time, I was oh so pleased. Yeah, fucking Owen Wilson was great in this fucking series. Um, also, Mobius at Mobius is just such a fun character in general. Um, anytime he signs his name and it's just MMM. Um, but yeah, so 
we get introduced to Mobius. He ends up kind of interviewing Loki because he, quote unquote, wants to understand what makes him tick, how he thinks, whether he likes hurting people, shit like that. Um, they get rather confrontational. We get a fun little nod to history in that uh, Mobius reveals that Loki was actually D.B. Cooper. So for either of you who aren't aware, uh, D.B. Cooper is this famous story of a guy who got onto a plane, uh, held them hostage, got a bunch of money, and then jumped off the plane with a parachute. And then no one has ever seen or heard from this person ever again. Um, And it's a famous, like, mystery of what happened to D.B. Cooper, who was D.B. Cooper, all that jazz. So I just like the idea of fucking MCU putting out their solution of D.B. Cooper was Loki, and the reason no one ever found him is because he went back to Asgard after stealing. Well, the thing I like about this is the further implication that we find out that it was uh, Thor and Heimdall that dared him. Yeah. Yeah. He lost a bet to Thor, and so he had to do it. But I also enjoy how Heimdall was completely complicit in it because he opens up the Bifrost on Loki as he's plummeting to the Earth. Yeah. Uh, fucking fantastic. Um, what other fun moments happened in this first episode? Oh, the fun moment where we learn that uh, the TVA is the be-all, end-all power that surpasses yeah. all other powers in the universe. I believe cause... the phrase you're looking for is the supreme arbiters of power. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Loki at the beginning is very understandably against the entire situation he's in and trying to figure out how to get out of it or perhaps take over this new power he's come across. So he escapes his interrogation, finds the Tesseract that was taken from him, in the process finding a drawer full of duplicates of Infinity Stones that are apparently brought in every other week and are used as paperweights because they just don't work in the TVA. See, I like this for a couple of reasons. First of all, it truly makes it clear that magic just straight up does not work in the TVA. But also, I like it for the fact that there are so many Infinity Stones in the TVA because it makes perfect sense. If you're going to be breaking the timeline and doing something so different that it causes new timelines to split out, you're probably going to have an Infinity Stone in your pocket, because that's going to really, like, make that process super fucking easy for you. Yeah. So, well, uh, just actually, the idea that... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, actually, an interesting thing about the uh, Infinity Stones is apparently they only also work if the dimension that they're from exists. So if they prune the dimension but take the Infinity Stone, then it does actually just become a useless rock because it has no power anymore, because the universe that's- it's from is gone. That's true, because it would be tied to the universe itself. Yeah, but also uh, Loki got the Tesseract from his universe he was from, and as he said when he got back to the interrogation room, he tried to use it several times, and it just didn't work. Yeah. Because his universe was still around. Well, no, technically his universe was pruned the moment he got picked up. Yeah. Because the moment he went through the window, apparently that was... Because there is, that is a divergence oh, right, yeah, in the timeline, they... the original timeline is him getting brought in by Sh- S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, right, yeah, because they had, um, when they pulled him through, they had already set one of those uh, detonator things. Yeah. Uh, but yes, in theory, even if it didn't, uh, even if they didn't prove his timeline, it still wouldn't have worked, because magic doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of good, like, just little gags in this one too like uh, i think one of the ones that stood out to me was when he's going through like the processing 
uh, and when he gets to the part where it's like, uh, can you confirm that you've never have been or whatever, uh, like a robot or synthetic life form? He's about to step yeah. through it. He's like, wait, what if I didn't know? Do people normally know? Yeah, and then he's like, well, what if I am a robot and don't know it, but it's just like walking through with the machine will uh, destroy your entire being. He's like, oh, okay, and then just kind of walks through. And it's like, this is a picture of your soul. What? Move along, please. <laughs> Which also gets to the question of why specifically does the TVA have like such a problem with robots? Yeah, it's like Loki even asked. It's like, do people normally not know that they're a robot? Well, I think the issue with robots is because in theory robots are programmed. The robot itself can't be the variant. The variant is whoever programmed the robot to do something wrong. So if they discover someone's a robot, then they have to go further back on the branch to find the variant. I would that assume that's sense. the logic behind it. That makes sense. But also, yes. Clearly the TVA has a problem with robots. And which then, is kind of funny, because we learn later on that the the three time... What are they called? Timekeepers. Yeah. Timekeepers, yes. The three timekeepers are actually robots themselves. Fun times for everyone. And then but also... after that little robot scenario, I think my favorite part of the introductory process was... Uh, the whole queue line. Yep. Or someone else was brought in just before Loki and refused to take a ticket at the front of the queue, despite the fact that they're the only two there. And then Loki just begrudgingly takes a ticket and sees the other guy get pruned when he gets to the end of the queue for not having a ticket, and Loki's frantically searching his pockets for where he hid it. Well, that's a like, little... it's a good thing Loki has his ticket, but it seems kind of... Uh unnecessary because the whole idea is if you don't have a ticket you get pruned on the spot if you do have a ticket you're brought into a courtroom where you're convicted of crimes against the sacred timeline and you're pruned there yeah like you're just buying yourself a couple extra minutes honestly which sure but like there's no evidence to suggest that anyone could ever win their trial and prove that they're innocent of crimes against the timeline because the people there aren't aware of the timeline or the tva so whatever they do that's not what was planned, it's automatically a crime against the sacred timeline. Uh, so interesting thing about this, uh, if you look at all the things they go through, they're very mundane and seem ridiculous. But uh, someone pointed out that it actually looks like they're more so seeing who's more willing to follow rules because those might be variants that they end up uh, taking and making them agents of the TVA. So you take, true. if you don't take the ticket at the beginning... Regardless of what happens next, you're already showing you can't follow the rules. The trial, specifically why Loki was going to be pruned, is because he was talking back to her about how he, you know, he's innocent. Like he didn't have any remorse, essentially, is what they were saying. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I broke these rules. So they're looking for people that specifically follow all of those rules to a T, because they would be useful for the TVA. True. Walking sense. through the machine that destroys you if you're a robot, when it's impossible to know for sure if you're a robot fucking signing a document that confirms this is everything you've ever said when there's no possible way anyone would take the time to read through that entire document beforehand because they'd probably end up mumbling something to themselves as they went and end up adding more pages to the end of the document. So, and you're yeah, probably it's a lot unwillingly of... signing away your memories with what you've said. So it's well, a lot of... Uh, I sign un... away the right to my life. A lot of unreasonable things to ask of people and just seeing how much people are willing to put up with. For all we know, 
even if you uh, like go through the trial and you're like, yes, I'm guilty, I apologize, and like show great remorse. For all we know, there's further trials after that down the line that you also need to pass. And it's just we only got to see as far as the one that Loki failed. Yeah, yeah because good old Owen Wilson stepped in. Wow. 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 All right, that's enough about episode one. Let's talk about <laughs> episode two. Uh, episode two is entitled The Variant. So going back to episode one for a second, fuck. Uh, we learn at the very end that the reason Owen Wilson pulled uh, Loki aside was because he wants Loki's help tracking down another variant. I think you mean very- the superior Loki. Well... We'll get there. Another variant, uh, because this is a particularly dangerous variant, and Loki gets offended that he's not considered a particularly dangerous variant. And then, when asking why, Owen Wilson points out that the other variant is also a Loki. Uh, And Loki spends the rest of the series trying... Well, not the rest of the series, but the next episode trying to convince everyone that he's actually the more dangerous Loki, and this other Loki is a subpar Loki. Only for everyone else to repeatedly admit that this other Loki is much more powerful than Loki. And thank God we find out that it's a female Loki and we can start calling her Sylvie. Otherwise, just saying Loki and other Loki would get real confusing real fucking fast. (laughs) At least until we get to the last couple episodes. A lot of Lokis in that one. Yeah, episode five is... uh... Pretty fucked when it comes to the number of Lokis we have to discuss. I think the more fucked thing about that reality is that reality seems to only have Lokis surviving. Well, that's the I, thing about Lokis, they survive. Yeah, that's Which is it, part of the reason why so many variants that the TVA has to deal with are Loki variants. Well, I think that's the key detail, is there's two parts to it. It's uh, Loki as the god of mischief is just constantly breaking the timeline and doing his own thing and does not fit within the timeline because he's literally, uh, as Mobius describes him in a later point, he's essentially a being of pure chaos. So, of course, he constantly breaks the timeline and that's why such a high percentage of the variants they deal with are just Lokis. Uh, So, obviously, a lot of the people in that dimension are Lokis, but also Lokis are out for themselves and no one else. So that's why so many Lokis fucking survive. Yeah, and something a lot of people did miss in that uh, episode as well. When President Loki shows up, all those people with him are also Loki. Yeah. Yeah, people assume it's Loki with a bunch of underlings. No, it's Loki with a bunch of other Lokis. Which is more evident when they all turn on each other. (laughs) That was such a great scene of the the good Lokis in air quotes getting betrayed by one of them and being sold out to the other Lokis. And then like, there's three separate like knife to the throat moments of actually we're betraying you all in one scene. It's like a fucking course. If you get that many Lokis together, it's just going to be a fucking orgy of betrayal. Well, the beautiful thing I loved about that scene too, was like, we, the audience know exactly where this is going, but also the Loki we've been following knows exactly where it's going because you can see his face when he's like, oh god, this is about to happen, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. you can see he's clearly like exhausted because uh, you kind of get the feeling that the rest of the Lokis, because they probably just went through the lineup and got to the trial and were executed there or somewhere earlier on in the process, they didn't get the chance to watch the video movie of this is what your life is supposed to be. So they don't have that awareness of this is just what a Loki is. So because our Loki has seen Loki's life from start to finish, or at least what his life is supposed to be, he just has that extra level of awareness of like, oh God, this is exactly what's going to happen to the fucking Lokis. 
Whereas all the other Lokis still believe that they are the superior Loki and every other Loki is subpar compared to them. So that's why we get that bullshit from them. Yeah, they don't have that awareness that he has now because of the journey he's gone through. Yeah. So anyways, back to episode two. Um, we uh, watch the Loki and a couple of the TVAs uh, go through a time portal because they have discovered the most le- recent Nexus event caused by uh, Sylvie. Uh, and at first it seems like we're in medieval times and we realize, or sorry, not medieval times. Uh, that's a restaurant in the Renaissance era. And then we realize we're not in the Renaissance era. We're at a Renaissance fair. Uh, and people are getting annoyed at them for wearing anachronistic clothing. Um, and they track Sylvie to a tent only to discover she's gone. And some TVA agents have been knocked out, uh, and left there. And then Loki does his whole Loki thing and tries to coerce uh, Mobius into letting him meet the timekeepers before doing anything to stop uh, Loki or Sylvie. I mean, to to be fair, if it's, oh, you helped us and now you're gone, I can see why you'd want to have some insurance. Yep. Um, Yeah, I completely understand why Loki is that way. It just is kind of funny that he tries to convince Mobius that in order to stop this Sylvie, he, Loki, is going to have to meet with the timekeepers before anything else. Um, this is also the episode where we get the really fun discovery of Sylvie's been hiding in apocalypses. Um, because they end up just trying to determine how she can exist anywhere as a variant without immediately causing a Nexus event just by very existence. Because, in theory, if you go somewhere you're not supposed to go and just talk to a person... It's the fucking butterfly effect. Even something as simple as interacting with another human being, not even interacting with someone, just walking through an area and like picking up a block of cheese for all you know, that's going to affect how the next person interacts with the area where the cheese was supposed to be, so on and so forth, spiraling out of control. So how the fuck can she exist anywhere without constantly causing nexus events? And good old Uh, Loki makes the discovery that uh, if the world is, or the surrounding area is set to experience an apocalyptic event and everyone's just going to die regardless nothing you do is going to affect the future of that area because no one is going to be around to continue that line i believe as he puts it as nothing matters yeah Yeah. which Uh, is kind of an interesting thought because it kind of suggests that like small amounts of variants happen on the secret timeline all the time and it's only when they have that spiraling out of control effect is when the tva becomes aware of it yeah, because uh, we um, end up finding out that the timeline, there is a sacred timeline, but it's not a singular timeline, I guess is the best way to put it. It's effectively, well, we end up getting the full reveal later on that as long as the timeline does not result in a Kang, then it's not a problem. Yeah. So it's kind of Kang variants that if there's a risk of something causing a Kang, that's what kind of... Is the that's the actual... Everybody. That's what the meter with Nexus events is all about. It's not about showing what causes uh, fucking a separate timeline to ca- uh, come into existence. It's just what causes a separate Kang to come into existence is all that actually matters. Yep, so uh, uh, there's actually a pseudo-multiverse where like some variations are accepted because they're not too different. So, for example, Sylvie, uh, even though she's a female Loki, made it all the way to, like, you know, I say she was like, 8 to 12 or something in that scene when she was taken before she was triggered as a variant because she wasn't too different from Loki up to that point, even though uh, she was a female. Yeah. 
Um, so yes, they end up testing this out in Pompeii. Uh, we get a really fun scene of Mobius not wanting to rock the boat too much. He's like, can you make bird noises? That's a good way to test this variance theory. Uh, and Loki's just like, fuck that, and just starts telling everyone they're all about to die and releasing goats into the street. Uh, and then nothing happens on their meter, so we have our solution. She's hiding in apocalypses. And then it's a very simple matter of cross-referencing every apocalypse that's ever happened in uh, the existence of the universe. Uh, so it's not something that uh, Owen Wilson's character really thought of much. He's like, surely there can't be too many, and then, oh, there are lots. But then when you combine it with kablooey gum... Yeah, good old kablooey gum... Uh, is the detail we needed to reveal that it's actually just Alabama in the year 2050, when a hurricane a was about to wipe out the entire city. A, yeah, because the particular location has a big old supermarket where there's plenty of supplies to live off of. Yeah, because I believe bluey gum only existed on Earth for a very short amount of time. And so in that time... There was only one or two fucking apocalyptic events, and they just came to the conclusion that this one made a lot more sense. Um, yeah. This is also where we find out that the variant is actually female Loki. Um, and she kind of just wants to destroy the TVA. Loki misinterprets this because he hasn't fully grown yet and re- thinks she wants to take over the TVA and offers to help her do that when she's not on board with that plan. Um, and then this episode's with her running into a teleport, Loki following her, and Mobius just getting there in time to see Loki running through a time portal, and being deeply concerned that this person who he brought under his wing and tried to get, uh, to help the TVA is now working against the TVA. Which is weird that he used the word now, because Loki was never clearly working with the TVA. Yeah, I'd say he was warming up to Mobius, but that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, interesting thought process here. So in the next episode, they do a lot of, like, apocalypse. <laughs> men, like they, Well, I guess in this episode, too, they kind of hop between apocalypses. Do you think any of these apocalypses are going to show up moving forward in the MCU? I think it would be a fun idea for them to uh, reference some of these apocalypses in other characters. Like, the one that they spent the most amount of time in was the Lamentus apocalypse. Uh, but that's a hard one for them to do in a movie because of the fact that the whole idea of the Lamentous one is not a single person made it off of that planet alive. Um, but now variants are possible. And now variants are possible, so they could have the character who survived Lamentous um, and then have that person be the one who uh, goes on to be a villain in a future movie because their entire planet and people were wiped out or some shit like that. The tricky bit is none of the... Uh, apocalypses happened super close in the timeline to where the MCU currently is because I think the closest one would have been the Alabama one at 2050. Yeah. Um, everything else was either before our time or after that. So they'd have to jump forward in time a little bit more than they already have in order for the uh, apocalypse to be included in the movies. That's true. So, Lamentus. Fun planet, not fun planet. What's your guys' thought? Uh, also, we're on episode three now, in case that's unclear. Interesting planet with uh, continuous meteor showers. 
those meteors being fragments of the moon that's about to impact the planet and kill yeah. everyone. I was going to say, I don't think that was a normal part of their environment. Yeah, I don't think you can describe a planet as normal conditions when the conditions you're describing are another nearby planet being... Oh, not even another nearby planet. You can't describe a moon as being in normal conditions when part of those conditions are the planet it is orbiting, crumbling to pieces and colliding into the moon. That doesn't exactly count as normal conditions, but yeah, it's still pretty interesting conditions for a moon, I guess. Uh, huge class problem with that moon, where the wealthy are so very high above the poor, but then again, that's not super different from the world we live in. Um, yeah, so what was the plan that Loki and Sylvie... Oh, right, they there was an arc that was leaving with all the wealthy people on the planet, and they were going to uh, leave and escape the planet. Um, they needed a ticket to get onto the train and probably subsequently the Ark also. But only yep. really wealthy people had a ticket onto the train. Yeah, so the whole thing but, was, the even though the ship never got off the planet, they are like, well, we were never on it before, so if we get on it, we can probably get it off the planet causing a deviation. And then, even if they don't necessarily escape the planet, the deviation that they're causing will get the TVA to show up and they can maybe seal a temp pad from one of them. Um, and since this is the first time Loki and Sylvie are uh, quote-unquote working together, we start to get their conflict of uh, interests and ideals as they're working, how they think their plans should go. Loki by the seat of his pants, trickery, and then Sylvie just planning things out meticulously and going brute force. Yeah, like... It's their differences are very funny when interacting with each other. It's funny, though, because they do still have, like, for people who have completely different power sets, because the whole idea is that Loki has skills that Sylvie has never experienced before, and Sylvie has skills that Loki has never experienced before. Yeah, well, Loki still... was trained by uh, Frigga in magic, where it seems Sylvie never had a chance to. And she kind of learned through sheer force of will, because she learned how to enchant people by essentially touching them and then inflicting her will upon them is essentially how she describes it, where she kind of forces them to accept what she and her heart believes or some shit like that. I'm butchering the explanation, but the whole idea is she enchants people and forces them to believe stuff that they don't normally believe. Um, but at the same time, there's still powers that are designed to change other people's perception of the world in order to manipulate them. So even though they keep talking about how these are completely separate power sets, they're kind of also the exact same thing. Yeah. It's like the Loki we love and know, he's all about illusions. And then, as we've said, Sylvie is all about enchanting people. To the point where, like, Sylvie's... Uh, Loki's illusions are easier to disprove but are seen by everyone so they convince a wider audience but are it's easier to break that wider audience of their belief whereas Sylvie's illusions only work on the individual scale but are much harder to break people free of their perception of these events so it's just kind of the same power but on uh, different scopes yeah uh so while they managed to get on a train through use of both of their power sets, um, hoping to sneak from the train onto the Ark without getting too much attention drawn to them, 
Loki kind of immediately fucks this up because Sylvie passes out and Loki just gets fucking blitzed on Champagne. Uh, now, I, I want to point out one of my favorite parts in this is when they're sitting on the train and it's like, oh, I never face a door. It's like, well, I never face backwards on a moving vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is true. That's just a genuinely uncomfortable thing to do. Um, so I can respect Loki for feeling that way. Sorry, my brain just kind of stopped working for a second there. Um, so yes, uh, Loki gets super drunk. They draw way too much attention to themselves and get kicked the fuck off the train. Um, well, not so much kicked well, off. Loki uh, gets show up and Loki. Loki gets of... defenestrated. Gets thrown out a window. You're a real big fan of that word now, aren't you? I love that word. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> word. I it the other day and it's amazing. No ticket. Yeah, so he gets thrown off the uh, train. And Sylvie jumps after him. Because he has the, the, uh, the, the temp, temp pad. pad. The temp pad that just needs to be charged in order for it to work. Unfortunately, that's no longer a viable solution. Because as he's thrown off the train, it breaks uh, on impact with the ground. Yeah. So they start walking and Sylvie gives Loki a big revelation. When explaining how her enchanting powers work. That's the fact that TVA workers were all originally variants from Earth. I don't know if it's specified. Well, yeah, I Earth. don't think she necessarily said Earth. But well, she, she didn't say from Earth, but Loki said Loki thought from Earth because like, uh, yeah. well, they're all they're all humans. They're all variants of normal people from the timeline who had their yeah. memories erased and were forced to work for the TVA. And the only people that they've interacted with from Earth. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, is also, they make it to the main city with the Ark. They start fighting through guards to get to the Ark and get there just in time to watch the Ark get destroyed by fucking meteors from the planet. And this was a really cool scene that they did like a one shot style. Oh yeah. The whole like single take of them running through the fucking city as it's erupting into chaos around them. Yeah, that was a really cool scene. So, episode four, the Nexus event. Um, this is where they... So, the theory that we kind of accepted at the beginning of this podcast was that the Nexus event that they caused was them almost dying, and that doesn't work for uh, Kang's plan. Yeah, Kang's plan um, requires them to get to the end, so if they die, that's a big variation that guarantees a result in new kings. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the belief in universe of what caused it was Sylvie and Loki falling in love for each other while they sit on a rock l watching the impending demise. Uh, and this causes such an aggressive nexus event that even on an apocalyptic world, a uh, branch timeline forms and fucking shoots right out. Well, um, uh, at, at the very least, like, again, Kang needed them alive, so he could have honestly made anything a next event. Like, he could have programmed that, that a Loki finding love is a next event, right? Oh, yeah, I understand. I'm just saying the reason, like, the TVA people don't think it's that it's Kang's will that's happening here. They think somehow Loki falling in love with himself is what's causing the Nexus event. But yes, it is much more likely that this is just Kang inflicting his will upon the timeline. 
in the form of he needs them to get off the planet, so he just does whatever he wants to make sure that it causes a Nexus event. Exactly. Um, uh, but yes, this is very impressive to the TVA because they had earlier on confirmed that any actions on an apocalyptic world couldn't possibly cause a Nexus event because of the fact that everything's about to be wiped out. So most people in the TVA just kind of accept it and move on and start torturing the two Lokis. Mobius is very confused because he is, himself was one of the people who discovered that Apocalypse is kind of wipe out Nexus events. So he's very confused and wants to find out what happened between Loki and Sylvie to cause the Nexus event. Um, and he traps Loki in a time loop of a bad memory he had with Sif. Um, he cut off her hair and she kicked him in the balls. Yeah. Um, and she, well, it's not so much the kicking in the balls that was a bad memory. It's yeah. the fact that she's openly telling him he's going to be alone for the rest of his life because no one could ever love him because he's undeserving of love. Um, which is rough for Loki because he just fell in love with himself. Uh, so being told that he's going to be alone is a little rough. Um, I mean, a lot of people are taking this whole, like, Sylvie and Loki having, like, a romantic connection to themselves as being weird. But I, I kind of think it's really funny that, like, the biggest narcissist in the MCU finds love in themselves. Yeah, no, I actually think it makes perfect sense and is very poetic that a narcissist like Loki finds love in himself. Uh, or herself, depending on how you want to phrase that. Um, Themself, yeah, that's a good way to put it instead of getting confused by gender. Um, at the same time that Loki's trapped in this loop of bad memories, uh, Sylvie uh, does her enchantment thing on B15, so that B15 becomes aware of the fact that she's actually a variant from Earth uh, and had her memories erased. Uh, and then also explains to B15 that she did the same thing for C20. Um, and at the same... C20 being one of the people who almost caught Sylvie in the what we call it in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and who was brought forward to the Alabama Walmart. Um, yes. But yes, one uh, Minuteman of the TVA who wasn't killed but abducted. Yeah. So everyone who was there saw that C20 seemed a little bit unwell, but couldn't quite figure out what happens, and it's because C20 discovered that she was a variant. Um, and then when Renslayer, who's the judge from Loki's case, and also seems to be one of the higher-ranking people in the TVA, discovers that C20 is aware she's a variant, C20 gets murdered, and she just uh, suggests that C20 degraded so aggressively that she just died as a result of Sylvie's enchantment. Um, so, shit's starting to go poorly for the TVA, because B15 and Mobius are both pretty confident that there's something shady going on behind the scenes. B15's aware of the fact that they're all variants. Mobius, I don't think, has had that realization yet, but is on the verge of having that realization. Um, he can just and tell it's that starting Renslayer's... to distrust her. Yeah, he can tell that Renslayer's not being entirely honest with him. Um, they uh, all kind of sneak away into the uh, Timekeeper's area where Mobius gets pruned by Renslayer. There's a fight between Loki, Sylvie, and then the different 
uh, Minutemen as they murder one of the fucking timekeepers only to discover that they're robots. And then we get a very powerful ending to episode four when Loki gets pruned. Yeah. Series over. It's just about, well, it's not series over. It's just, we're following Sylvie now. Loki's been pruned. He's out of the timeline. No point in talking about his character ever again. <laughs> and credits roll. I mean, when Mobius got pruned so early in the episode, that's when I start thinking, it's like, well, to be fair, we don't know what happens to these people when they get pruned. Yeah. So I don't yeah. think I was like, oh my god, they killed Loki. It was like, okay, we're, so we're really going to find out what happens when people get pruned now. <laughs> Especially where yeah. the promos showed a bunch of different Loki variants that we never got <laughs> to this point. Uh, well, it was one of those things where they even like talked a bit earlier that episode about... I think it was that episode or it might have been the episode before. But they're talking about those pruning charges that they use. Oh no, it was fucking episode two because it was talking to Loki about it. Uh, and asking Loki, or Loki was asking questions, and they ended up stating out loud that the way pruning works is they disintegrate everything in the vicinity, uh, and then the timeline's kind of forced to go back to the last time when stuff existed and propagate forward from there, thus erasing the branching timeline. Um, which is fine and all, whatever. Um, but yeah, it does kind of... They suggested that it's disintegrated, but they don't really go into like how you can disintegrate an entire timeline. Um, so they were always kind of leaving that door open for something weirds happening with the pruning. Uh, and yes, not only did we see the promos where Loki was meeting with other Lokis, but we also, after this episode, there's a post-credit scene of Loki waking up surrounded by other Lokis. So. We know that something's going on with the pruning and we just don't know what yet. Also during this episode, we keep getting allusions to the end of the timeline and how the timekeepers are still working on the end of the timeline and what's going to happen at the end. Yeah, because like even at the beginning when Loki first started to quote-unquote work with the TVA, um, he tried to get some information on the TVA from the librarian as or in the form of either information on the origin of the TVA or the end of the timeline, both of which being classified. First flag. Yep. So, episode five, Journey into Mystery. Um, this one kind of has two plots going on at the same time, uh, which is a weird thing to say when technically they happen at completely different points of the timeline. Well, one at the end of the timeline and one adjacent to the timeline because... TVA doesn't exactly exist on the timeline anywhere. It's fun, and just don't think about it too much, please. Um, so, uh, Sylvie's storyline is her talking with Renslayer, uh, them agreeing to go investigate uh, whoever's behind the timekeepers, and trying to travel to the end of the timeline, um, which Renslayer suggests is only possible through the use of a special spaceship, essentially. Well, that's not Renslayer um, that's just that's uh, Miss Minutes. Because Renslayer's it like, it's there? impossible to get there. And then Miss Minutes yeah. to buy time. It's like, well, actually, what about the, the special ship thingy? Right. Yeah, it's Miss Minutes yeah. who brings up the special ship. But anyways, yes. Uh, we get this conversation where Sylvie's trying to figure out how to get to the end of the timeline. And because they can't use a temp pad to do it because it's the end of the timeline, there's no specific time you can put into a temp pad to get there. Uh, meanwhile... You think she would have uh, realized she could just stab herself faster? 
You would think so, but I think at that point she's still not convinced that the pruning just sends people to the end of the timeline, so she was hoping for another uh, solution to confirm this before jumping to the potential suicide. Yeah, because we know that she, Sylvie, can't trust anyone. Yep. Uh, so, at the same time, nope, that's not the phrase you should be using, Peter. <laughs> at uh, the same future. Concurrently during the episode, uh, Loki is at the end of the timeline, uh, interacting with other Lokis. We also find um, out that Thanos Copter is, in fact, canon. Yeah, Thanos Copter yeah. canon, that's all that matters. To be fair, we don't know if Thanos Copter is supposed to be canon, because all we know is that the Thanos Copter got pruned at some point, so... For all we know, the existence of the Thanos Copter is uh, prohibited on the sacred timeline. Uh, and every time someone made timeline. a Thanos Copter, it got pruned immediately. Yeah, but the <laughs> fact that it existed is canon. <laughs> yes. Uh, and now that the sacred timeline is no more and we have these branching paths, now the Thanos Copter can exist in an actual MCU movie. Um, but yes, uh, Loki is interacting with other Lokis, including uh, Kid Loki, Old Man Loki. Crocodile Loki and uh, he's credited uh, as Boastful Loki. Boastful Loki, that's what it is. Uh, also known as Betrayer Loki because he's going to betray them later. Um, Wouldn't that be so, interesting if they're like interested? Like, oh, I'm Old Man Loki. I'm Kid Loki. I'm Betrayer Loki. Don't think too hard <laughs> about it. <laughs> I like the idea of him introducing himself as Betrayer Loki and Loki not batting an eye. And he's like, you know, that's probably a description that could be used on all of us. It's a very um, redundant title. <laughs> Yeah. So Just call yourself uh, Loki Loki at that point. <laughs> exactly. Um so they're all kind of following the leadership of Kid Loki when Loki ends up asking, Why the fuck do you get to be king? Why do you wear the crown? Why does everyone follow you? Uh and like what was your Nexus event that brought you here? When Kid Loki very calmly and patiently explains my Nexus event was I killed Thor. And immediately Loki's on board with following. He's like, Alright, yeah, no that Seems like an acceptable reason for us all to be doing what you say right now. Like, oh, um, he's actually competent. Okay. Uh, so they end up going to Loki's hideout. Uh, kid... Oh, God. Now it's back to being confusing. Uh, so the group of Lokis who already existed at the end of time when Loki showed up at the end of time, uh, they have a hideout which all five Lokis end up going to together. Um... Apparently there's a Thor in a bottle in the dirt above it. Yeah, there's a Throg, as he is known to some, Frog Thor. Um, we see him jumping at the bottle trying to uh, get to Mjolnir so he can free himself from the bottle. Uh, we also... So yes, we get to this underground base and they're kind of talking happily about how their only goal now is to survive. There is no winning. There's no escaping. There's no defeating Elioth. Um, meanwhile, our Loki we've been following is very convinced that there is a way to defeat Elioth, and we're going to have to work together to do it, which is not a plan that the rest of them are on board with. Yeah, because Hello. his only idea is to stab it in its cloud heart or cloud brain. Well, the, the thing, because it's we start getting this interesting concept that when Sylvie interacts with a Loki, it changes them in some aspect. And I kind of got the feeling that like it was uh, she inspires hope in the other Lokis. So Lokis yeah. are all about like we hide, we survive, but like they get hopeful and like 
are more willing to take risks because they have like a sort of like trust because of interact with her. Which yeah, up to this point we're teased with the idea that Sylvie's next event we don't know what it was. But uh, the more popular theory right now is that uh, at that point, the reason that she became a ne- uh, Nexus event is because she was a hero at that point. She was going to join the Valkyries and all that stuff. I like that. Yeah, same. Because, uh... I prefer to think that the reason she had a Nexus event was she felt hope, and that was enough because <laughs> of Nexus event. And it was because she was playing with that little toy set. It was like, Loki doesn't play with toys. But yeah, the idea is that she was on a, like, at that moment, she had made a decision that was going to make her a hero in the uh, universe and not the villain that Loki needed to be. I can see that. Well, that's uh, an interesting way to put it, because despite the fact that she can't trust anyone, and Lokis don't typically really trust many people, everyone, or all the Loki variants anyway, seem to trust her really easily. Yeah, and that's the whole idea that she inspires hope in Lokis, and that's what changed them, and that's why the Loki were following is able to have his change leading to the end of the story. Yeah. So uh, Sylvie ends up pruning herself uh, once she realized that Renslayer has just been buying time to try and capture herself. She figures the only way to rescue Loki if it's true that he is at the end of the timeline. The only way to figure out where whoever's in charge of the TVA is is to get past the end of the timeline because that's presumably where they're hiding out. Um, well, if they're fixing so, or like writing the story at the end, that makes sense where they would be. But also, it's kind of implied that they're not actually writing anything there. They're just hiding there because you can't detect anything after the timeline because there's no right or wrong after there. It's the perfect place for someone to hide, um, according to Sylvie. Um, so yes, yeah, she prunes herself and... Uh, Ends up running into Mobius uh, in the Driving end a of pizza time. Van. Driving a little pizza van. Uh, honestly, for a second, I thought this was a reference to the Toy Story uh, pizza planet truck. And <laughs> then it got closer and I realized it wasn't. Um, I'm just sad it wasn't a jet ski. That's true. He really wanted to ride a jet ski. We need a payoff on that. We need to see him jet skiing by the end of Loki TV series. Uh, yeah, season, season two, two just three, one... whatever. I like the idea of one episode of season two. The entire episode is just Mobius fucking jet skiing around a lake. No plot development, no story progression, just Mobius on a jet ski for an hour. Not even related to the previous or next episode. In both of the episodes before and after, he's nowhere near water and he's fighting an endless war. Just they take a vacation on a planet that's about to have an apocalypse. It's like when they released the the thing on YouTube of. uh... Um, Baron Zemo dancing for like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um. So here we get another great scene. So, uh, Loki and the Lokis, uh, which is now the name of my band, uh, <laughs> end up running into Sylvie and Mobius, uh, and we get quite possibly the greatest line in the entire series, which is. Mobius being introduced to Alligator Loki, uh, commenting on how he doesn't believe that Alligator Loki uh, is actually a Loki, and saying this is all very confusing, and he doesn't fully understand it. And then that thought leading him to be, no, this definitely seems more like a Loki, based on the thoughts that I've been having. Yeah, if he's not a Loki, he just... Yeah, 
if he's not a Loki, but he's wearing a Loki helmet, so he can't possibly be a Loki, but that's exactly the kind of ploy a Loki would play. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yes, a fucking beautiful scene. Uh, and then uh, Sylvie comes up with a plan of, she briefly touched Elias' mind earlier, so her plan now is to enchant Elias uh, to convince him to fuck off so they can get past him and into the place after time. Um, uh, now, before we get to the, Citadel uh, at the end of time, before we get to the called. Citadel part, there was two things I wanted to draw attention to as well, and that is uh, Richard E. Grant, who's playing adult Loki. His story of what happened in his timeline of he actually fought Thanos, but he, instead of dying fighting him, he actually created such a good illusion that even Thanos was tricked to think he died. And he yep. just kind of floated off into space. Which it's kind of fun because. Like, that's the theory a lot of people had after watching Infinity War, was that that wasn't actually Loki. That was an illusion of another Asgardian taking Loki's place and Loki just doing a good enough illusion that no one realized it was Loki. Or it wasn't Loki. So I really enjoy classic Loki, uh, or old man Loki, however you want to call him. Um, I enjoy the idea of them throwing him in and having that be his Nexus event. Clearly just to, like, appease the fans who had that fucking theory after Infinity War. Oh, of... That wasn't his Nexus event, though. I really liked his Nexus event. Oh, yeah, the cause... fact that he lived out a life peacefully in solitude and just relaxed. And his Nexus event was the moment that he realized he was lonely and wanted to see his brother again. Yeah, he wanted to go say yeah. hi to Thor, and then we tried to get off the planet and that caused the Nexus event. Yeah. The moment he went to leave his planet and meet with Thor is when he had his Nexus event. Uh, what was the other thing you wanted to discuss, Keith? Uh, so it's back to when uh, President Loki shows up to cause the problem, and they're all drinking yep. wine. Uh, so, like, Alligator Loki's drinking wine out of a pool, and, like, the other ones are drinking other goblets. And the thing I love is that when it shows Kid Loki at this point, he's just drinking a grape juice box. Yep. Oh, I didn't even notice that, but that's pretty fucking great. Absolute yeah. power move. <laughs> also, uh, Kid Loki is the only Loki that's kind of undefined of where he is out of like these deviant ones. So uh, I feel like they might try to bring Kid Loki back for this uh, like Young Avengers team if they are going down that route. Well, to be fair, we also didn't fully get the end of Alligator Loki's timeline. So. That's true. He could show up again as well. Um, He'll be the moon girl and uh, devil dinosaur of the Young Avengers team. I prefer to think Alligator Loki's going to start hanging out with Mobius just because Mobius needs a Loki in his life after all of this. Uh, <laughs> a waterborne creature like, and a waterborne. Oh, God, that's right. That's gear. Can Alligator Loki turn into a jet ski? Oh. I just like the idea of like. Mobius being convinced he needs a Loki in his life, but not being willing to trust a Loki, and he figures the best way to get around that is to bring Alligator Loki, because he can't be completely sure that it's actually him trusting a Loki, so he can justify it to himself, but he still has the feeling of having a Loki around, which brings him peace. Because the Loki's so deep in disguise, tricking everyone, that the Loki is fully on being an alligator right now. So he can be trusted to stay an alligator, because he can't be trusted to stay a Loki. Um, so yes, uh, we finally get to, uh, Loki and Sylvie's plan, which is, uh, Loki's going to distract Elioth by, like, doing daggers and stuff, uh, and Sylvie is going to, uh, 
at the same time attempt to enchant Eliath. Uh, we find out that Sylvia is not powerful enough on her own to enchant Eliath. And once she starts making progress, it immediately grabs Eliath's attention and there's nothing Loki can do to take it away. Loki is nowhere near threatening enough. Yeah. And he's not powerful enough in his magic to draw that kind of attention. And that's where we get the second best scene in the series. Old man Loki and his insane illusion magic. Well, to be fair, uh, later, earlier in the episode, uh, old man Loki even specifies the strongest thing that a Loki has is their magic. And if they can yeah. master that, they're almost unstoppable. And he uses his magic to just recreate all the fucking Asgard. Yeah, that yeah, was insane. He specifically calls Loki's reliance on using daggers as a weakness and that they should focus entirely on using their magic and their illusions. So yes, he creates an entire fucking Asgard. Uh, as an illusion, obviously, which grabs <laughs> and of Eliath's course, attention. Eliath is like, ooh, I can eat that. That's a feast. Uh, meanwhile, Loki tries to help Sylvie, not fully understanding how enchantment works. Uh, when Sylvie explains, trust me, you can do it because I can do it, and we're the same person. Um, which is not how that works, because you're not the same person. You've had different experiences and whatever, but it works out, so I won't question it. Um, also, and uh, we get old man Loki calling it glorious purpose as he dies. Yes, yep. another fucking beautiful callback to the fact that up until this point, Loki keeps talking about how he has a glorious purpose. Yeah. Um, well, like, it, Mobius, I think, points it out, like, the, the glorious purpose is just kind of like an illusion on themselves, where it's like, okay, you win, you become Emperor of Earth, what's next? You become Emperor of Space, blah, 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 that stuff. And I feel like that was kind of signifying that, like, old man Loki had found his purpose, which was letting those two get away. Yeah, yeah. using his illusions so that they could uh, get through here. Which, if Kang's writing the timeline, it's entirely possible that 100% was Old Man Loki's purpose. <laughs> yep. He was supposed to avoid uh, Thanos, focus entirely on training his magic, hide out on a planet until he tries to leave, and then sacrifice himself so that those two could get through for their meeting with uh, Kang. Yep, until... 100%- until passing the threshold, everything that happened was Kang's design. Well, he's to be believed. Which also means that part of Kang's design was for Betrayer Loki to betray the other Lokis, only for him to get betrayed by the other Lokis. Oh my god, Kang's a fucking madman if he planned out all those <laughs> fucking betrayals. I mean, he, we already know he's a madman. He's been there for a yep. long time. Yep. I mean, when they see him, he's just sitting in a closet. It was an elevator. Oh, was it the elevator? Oh, I thought he yeah. led them to a different door. Okay. <laughs> just imagine it's fucking just moving closet. in the closet. You see, like, brooms and stuff. I was like, oh, I just like to hang out here. <laughs> well, it's part of his plan. He needs to be in a closet for them to believe him when he tells his story at the end. No, for, him, for them to not outright kill him. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, final episode... So this one had a couple cool things. So we get to the Citadel at the end of time. Um, Loki and Sylvie are informed that he who remains is waiting for them, which I thought was a fun nod because in the comic books, uh, he who remains is just essentially an immortal being who is the last of his race and created the TVA because uh, multiversal war caused his entire race to get wiped out. Um, And so... I mean, that's kind of what happened. It's kind of what happened, um, but also it's just like a one last mislead before getting the reveal that it is in fact Kang. Um, 
so for any of the super comic book fans. So something cool uh, about this one. So uh, we actually got a different ending than what was initially planned. Ooh. So uh, in the last episode, uh, you might have noticed in some of the promo reels that there was some Loki stuff we never saw. Like uh, him yep. being king of Asgard and stuff like that. So apparently what was supposed to happen, this final episode was supposed to be more of that banter with Miss Minutes of her actually showing like things to tempt them with. And it was supposed to be Loki's final struggle of, like, is he able to turn away from his old ways? So it was going to be more of his, like, internal struggle, like, not physical conflict, but, like, more of a, like, talking conflict with Miss Minutes. Okay. And then the series episode was going to end with him getting out of it, but it was still going to put that seed of doubt in Sylvie about him, because he almost gave into it. and But he, get, like, he gives it up at the end because, like, no, this is what we got to do. And then that would be the end of the season. And then the post credit scene was apparently supposed to be the scene where they're walking through the building. You see the door open for the elevator, and then it was supposed to be Kang sitting in there, and that was it. And then it was going like, oh, season two. Okay. But yeah, I, I can see why that. they I... went with what they do have right now. Oh, yeah. Because that would have been an awkward leaving off point. Yeah, and that would have... Especially if they didn't make it clear that that was Kang just through the one shot of him at the end. Uh, I think that would have been a little bit disappointing. Um, well, we were going to see the actor, and uh, at this point, I think a lot of people that are following it directly know that he is, uh, uh, Majors is playing uh, Kang. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if they didn't take the time to make it clear that that was Kang, it could have been an awkward ending. I do actually, I think I prefer the way this was done. Oh, Not that that would have been a bad episode, but I think this really tied it together because Kang's whole fucking monologue that he goes on about how he's been constructing everything to perfectly prevent another existence of him. And like he knew everything that was going to happen until right now and everything that happens afterwards is new to him. Yeah. And he's essentially left it as a choice for them of either they take over the TVA and continue his work or they kill him and allow other Kangs to immediately be born into existence. Thus recreating and him and putting him right back in the same spot. Yeah. Yep. And it's it just going to be a really, multiversal war first. And it was also a really interesting moment where that moment, the exact moment in time, came and passed where he knew everything up to that point. And then the, came the time where everything's up in the air and he has no idea what's going to happen. I also just like his whole backstory on how Kangs work, and like one of the Kangs uh, discovered the multiverse, uh, decided to travel through to meet with other Kangs, and like it was all a happy and prosperous time. And then eventually, one of the Kangs was like, "But what if I was the only Kang?" And then immediately there was fucking wars between the dimensions via the Kangs. It was a good time. Uh, another interesting thing about this, too, is that, uh, so, obviously, Sylvie and Loki can't see my die, because Loki's like, wait, we should probably think about this, because if he's saying this is as bad as it is, and he, we think he's bad, but everything else is worse, maybe we should, you know, work something else out. She ends up tricking him, sending him back to the TVA, and then killing Kang, uh, thus creating the multiverse. And I think this is something else that a lot of people were confused by. This effectively means that the multiverse isn't starting at that moment. It means that the multiverse has now always existed. Yeah, because yeah. 
immediately next events happen at the very fucking beginning of the timeline, and because Kang's not there to ensure the timeline continues, those next events branch out immediately, and we instantaneously have a multiverse full of infinite fucking timelines at all different times. So the multiverse doesn't start to branch at that point. The moment the multiverse is allowed to branch, or the timeline's allowed to branch, the multiverse exists at all times. Uh, now, the, the thing that this ends up causing a bit of, I have a problem with, I guess is the best way to put it, is more so involving how the TVA uh, effectively is from this point, because Loki gets sent back, and the uh, scene ends up showing that he's like running through the halls, he finds Mobius, who were talking about all these branches happening, and then they don't recognize him, and then he looks up and sees there's a Kang statue, a la, you know... Yeah. Uh, what's the Planet of the Apes type situation? Yeah, very Planet of the Apes. He sees a giant monument and realizes what's been happening and uh, has a deeper understanding of the world he now lives in. Yeah, so the idea is that, or at least what people are saying is, oh, he's clearly in a different like multiverse, uh, different part of the multiverse. He didn't go back to his time. He went back to a different times uh, version of the TVA, which is a bit weird because shouldn't the TVA be outside of time as well? I'm pretty sure that's how they operate. I'm pretty sure that they operate, they still operate within time. It's like they have their own specific timeline that runs parallel to the rest of them. Um, it's just, they're, they're being TVA like... vari- variations on the TVA, which is variations, seems weird. Yeah. But you can still see that, uh, well, they're still sending out people to deal with prunings at the TVA. Unless the multiversal but, war is specifically TVAs trying to prune each other. Could be. Because um, at this point, when Loki's sent back to the TVA, it clearly looks like the TVA is a lot more busy than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught this, but you guys remember Casey from the first few episodes? The guy that he's going to get. Like, oh, yes, yes. I do know who you're talking about, yes. Uh, so you know how there's that unit running by? Uh at the end when Loki's looking through before, but before he gets to Mobius. Uh, the guy who's leading that group is Casey in full battle gear. Shit, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yes, my understanding was that the TVA did exist outside of time. Uh, like, yes, time passes in there, but time passing there doesn't equate to time passing in the real uh, timeline. Um, so I have to assume that it's something to the effect of other, like, obviously, once the timeline starts to split and we have multiple Kangs, one of the Kang, one of the other Kangs created their own version of the Time Variance Authority, also outside of time, um, and doing that uh fucking oh god my brain's hurting just trying to think about it as Uh, soon as the multiverse is allowed to exist there's multiple variations of the beginning of the tva that are immediately allowed to happen yeah and because they all exist outside of time when you try and travel to outside of time the tempad was never designed to specify which part of outside of time it was traveling to so it just fucking randomly picks one of the fucking tvas to fucking send Loki to. Unless Kang from the beginning had multiple TVA experiments going. I suppose that's true. Because it was his temp pad that sent Loki here. Yeah. True. 
if anyone was going to have a temp pad that accounted for multiple versions of the same thing, it would be Kang. Uh, but I think one of the, the popular theories... He also, uh, he also specifically pointed out that he absolutely loves this thing when he l indicated his own temp pad. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually, another thing uh, that uh, is a popular fan theory hasn't been confirmed is that uh, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, when you see the tiny city in the, the pocket dimension, yep. uh, that that's where the TVA is. Oh, um, the TVA exists within the quantum realm. Yeah. Which like kind of makes sense because they're already... Like Interesting. Which kind of makes sense because of the fact that, like, shit stops... The laws of physics no longer apply in the quantum realm, um, or at least the laws of physics as we understand them, which would account for why shit that we expect to work in the real world doesn't work inside the TVA. Uh, and also, we already know that fucking time as a construct doesn't work the way we expect it to inside the uh, quantum realm. That's why uh, they're able to time travel using it now. Yeah, so that would also explain how the TVA exists not within time in the normal sense. So yeah, the that city in the quantum realm being the TVA actually would uh, solve a couple mysteries and make a lot of sense. Which could also explain why we're going to see uh, the first iteration of full villain Kang in uh, Quantumania, the next Ant-Man the Lost movie. I, so part of me is like the teensiest bit disappointed because when we were talking about what's going to happen in the future of Marvel when we did that podcast a while back talking about the future of Marvel I don't think any of us brought up Kang and I think the main reason none of us brought up Kang is because Kang seems like like if I were to ask when Kang comes into the MCU he would be the next big bad after the current big bad um, which I suppose is still theoretically possible uh, but all in all, I am just super fucking psyched to see Kang. I, especially after seeing this one actor play this one version of Kang and how spectacular of a job he fucking did. I'm really excited to see uh, Kang as a big bad of the fucking MCU. Well, the thing, uh, I didn't even I didn't even know who Kang was, and now I'm excited. Well, the thing about Kang too is like I think I I don't think he's gonna be the current big bad of these uh, series. I think there's going to be other stuff. I can see him being the big bad of like this arc, kind of like how we had the Infinity arc big bad. But I think he's going to pop up a lot throughout this, and we're not going to actually get the big multiversal war at the end. So we're going to see effects of this happening, but not the fallout yet. Yeah, and we could even get something like casual invasions by versions of Kangs. And that's the fun part. Now that we have the multiverse and we have Kang the Conqueror established within the multiverse, we can have Kang appear as a villain to a minor movie and get fully fucking defeated without removing the threat of Kang because that just wasn't Kang Prime. That wasn't the actual big bad Kang that we are going to get down the line. Yeah. And uh, this still also does set us up for Battle World, which is pretty good. Yep. There's actually another theory that has been popping around that I'm curious to get your guys' uh, thoughts on. So, uh, oh? I don't know if you know this about Kang, uh, but in the comics, Kang is a descendant of Reed Richards. Yes, I was aware of that. Interesting. But the theory that's going on now about this version of Kang is that he'll be a descendant of Tony Stark. That does make sense where Tony's a bit more of an established character in this world. And, like, 
it's far enough in the future that so long as they introduce Reed Richards at some point, he could be a descendant of Reed Richards. Because but it does kind of make they, more sense to have him be a descendant of Tony Stark, where Tony Stark is such a monumental figure in the MCU right well, now. The reasoning really? behind this that they're going with is if you introduce Kang now and establish that he is the descendant of Reed Richards, then Reed Richards getting introduced to the series is kind of like, well, he's the, you know, ancestor to this villain, as opposed to having his own intro. Whereas if you make him the descendant of Tony Stark, it also kind of adds more to that legacy of Tony Stark made like he creates all of the problems in the MCU and he tried to hide the time travel technology. Uh, so the idea is that if he was to hide time travel technology, it would probably be someone in the Stark line who would kind of find if he had anything left over from it. That's fair. There's also the theory uh, going back to Endgame where you can see the different uh, times that the fucking time machine was set to when they get back and there's references to a couple different times. I forget the exact specifics because I was just reading this theory uh, like a week ago and don't remember all the specifics, but the idea is that um, Tony Stark traveled around time on his own uh, before coming back to fight Thanos and he discovered uh, the existence of Kang the Conqueror uh, and that's why when uh, they get back and someone makes a comment about how time travel always has issues because Thanos shows up and Tony has a line of something to the effect of you don't even know the worst of it. Like, it's suggesting that Tony is aware that Kang is going to be a problem and the actions he was taking there was to try and push that problem as far down the path as possible to give people as much peace before Kang became a problem. Yeah, so we could see Tony Stark moving forward at some point. Yeah. So the whole theory is just that and it kind of fits in with the idea of Kang being a descendant of Tony Stark. It could just as easily be that Kang presented himself to Tony Stark and as like his ancestor and Tony then traveled around time trying to prevent Kang because he realized Kang was going to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but there is also an Iron Man helmet in Kang's uh like library at the end. Nope, I missed that detail as well. I missed that. Yeah, it's on the shelf when they enter. You can see it like in the back left of the room. Huh. Anyways, uh, I think the main thing I want to say about the show is this is exactly what Disney Plus shows should strive for in that it's a fantastic show on its own that I felt compelled to watch week to week, even though like the like theory crafting for future episodes was great the show itself was great so the show stands fully on its own but also did a huge amount of establishing characters for upcoming potential marvel movies so i don't know i just think the fucking show knocked it out of the park between both the quality of the show itself and what it did for the mcu going forward oh definitely uh, they just keep every time uh, mcu series on disney plus comes out it just they keep getting better and better yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, I I talked about this when we watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but before uh, WandaVision, I was a little bit excited for WandaVision, but it wasn't something I was looking forward to. And then I watched it, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and then I started looking forward to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier came out, I was kind of looking forward to it, watched it, I enjoyed it, and was really looking forward to Loki. And then Loki came out, I was really looking forward to it, watched it, 
it exceeded my expectations and now I'm looking forward to even more of what Disney Plus has to come because they haven't all been like amazing but they've all been good and they've all taken places uh taken the show places I wasn't expecting it to go yeah definitely like we had high expectations going into Loki and it did not disappoint yeah do you guys have any further thoughts you want to share about Loki before we move on? Uh, so there, there was actually one other interesting thing on the Kang side of things that I want to touch on. Uh, so sure. the Renslayer story arc uh, ends with uh, she's trying to get information how to get to the end of time so she can find out. But she wants to find out what's going on and who's behind it because she wants to help them, essentially. Because she believes that they're the ones that's in charge and decides everything. And then Miss Minutes yeah. gives them the new thing. It's like, oh, use this instead. It's like, this is what I want. It's like, oh, but he thinks you'll need it more. I think the information he gives her effectively is to complete the circle of she goes out, finds his version of Kang, and helps him get to that point with all the information. And that's why he's aware of everything that happens. That is an interesting idea, because uh, that could even explain why he knows everything up until that exact point, because that point could also be like him secretly sending that information to... Or him having pre-programmed Miss Minutes to send her that information. Uh, of everything that's happened in the timeline up until that exact point, which is why he has no awareness of anything that happens after that, because the information that Renslayer was given only encompasses what happens up till there. So he doesn't know anything after that point, but knows everything up until that point. Exactly. That could explain a lot. Yeah, and uh, yeah. actually, uh, one more point on it being a Stark Descendant as well, is Miss Minutes is clearly a advanced AI, and Tony's kind of like the only AI person in the universe. Yep, uh, between Friday and uh, Jarvis and all that jazz. Yep. Technically, in a way, Ultron. Um, Himself. <laughs> yeah. So, recommendations. What do you recommend, Matthew? Okay. Uh, just kind of pulled this out of my back pocket at the last moment because I, as per usual, completely forget about the recommendations until it comes to recommendation time. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to recommend the uh, anime Girls Last Tour, which is essentially a post-apocalyptic world where two young girls in uh, military attire in a tank are traveling around the world just trying to survive well, seemingly everyone else around them is dead and gone, and they're just trying to piece together what happened to human civilization. And it's a very, has a very melancholy-esque feel to it. Very interesting. Fair. Keith, what do you recommend to the fans? Uh, so my one's a bit on the nose, but I am recommending Jet Li's The One. Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> it's a very similar pro concept of multiverses and variants. Uh, and it's one guy who realizes that every time he kills himself from another dimension, the power of that person gets split amongst the remaining. So by the end, it's only the two versions of him left. And if he kills the other one, he believes he'll become a god. So we're following the good gently who's trying to survive. I do enjoy the, uh, like, yes, that movie is really good. But thinking back on it now, I do enjoy the idea of... Uh, uh, that movie existing in a world where uh, a multiverse is real and multiple versions of yourself exist, 
but there's a finite amount to the point where you can kill everyone else and there will run out of other versions of you to be killed. Um, if it's I a remember, fun little stipulation yeah. they created. If I remember correctly, there's exactly 100 different mobile realities in that universe. Uh, yeah, it's something to that effect. Um, so what I'm going to recommend uh, is actually a comic book series. Uh, the Thor God of Thunder series from 2012 to 2014, I think is when it was printed. Um, and it follows the story of Thor. So uh, let's uh, give it a brief description. We'll see if you can figure out why Loki made me think of this beyond just being a Marvel series about an Asgardian. Um, but Thor has to fight a big bad who's been going around killing all other Asgardians until he gets to the point where he is the only remaining Asgardian. And then he travels through time, and we have young Thor, uh, King Thor, and old man Thor uh, all working together to fight this one being that has been killing all of the Asgardians. Um, so yeah, I guess watching a TV show about a bunch of different versions of the same Asgardian being working together to accomplish a goal reminded me of a comic book series where a bunch of different versions of the same Asgardian being work together to accomplish a goal. Did someone say Thor Core? Yeah. Sure. Um, so yes, uh, Thor, God of Thunder, uh, also introduces the villain of Gore. Well, it doesn't introduce, but it heavily features the villain of Gore, the God Butcher. And, and that's the uh, villain in the next Thor movie. Exactly. So all the more reason to read this comic book series. Okay. Uh, do we have a question for the audience? I don't know. Do we have a question for the audience? Uh, what, um, what version of Loki do you want to see the most in the universe? Yes. And come, come uh, up with anything. Ice cream Loki. He's made of ice cream. Yeah. To clarify, uh, I will accept you expanding on a Loki we saw in this series and talking more about what you want to see from them. Yeah. Or um, whether or not alligator Loki is actually a Loki or not. So long as you're not talking about the Loki we followed or Sylvie. We saw a lot of them. Obviously, you want to see more of them. I wanted to hear you talking about why we should see more of Alligator Loki or why we should, should see more of Kid Loki. Or, even better, as Keith suggested, you describe a Loki who we didn't get to see and why that would be a fun Loki. Like, a Loki whose Nexus event was him liking chocolate ice cream over vanilla ice cream and talking about <laughs> why that's a compelling story for us to follow. Or shirtless Loki. Oh, shirtless Loki. You know what? Even if you don't want to answer the question and talk about why that's compelling, if you just want to do fan art of shirtless Loki and just like send that to my personal email, that's cool too. Um, I suppose you could send it to the podcast email and I'll just make sure it doesn't get deleted before I see it. Um, yeah, uh, did anyone correctly guess our topic on Instagram, Keith? Oh, sure. Uh, well, actually, before that one, let's get into questions first. Uh, oh, right, so, yes. Our question for last episode. Did so we, we, uh, we had one answer, but it wasn't for the last episode. No one was able to tell us who needed the super serum. But we had an answer for our Fast 9 question that came in just under the wire. Oh. Uh, so this one was from Yazoo underscore Rose on Instagram for how they're going to one-up uh, Fast 9 with the next Fast movie. And the answer was, because it's one higher than 9. I mean, they're not wrong. <sighs> <laughs> I saw. I, 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 I was like, I have to mention this one. This is probably my favorite answer this so far. <laughs> this, this, I feel like Matt somehow got a hand of this Yazoo Roses uh, Instagram account just to answer in a way that would hurt my soul. I mean, 
<laughs> it's entirely true. Ten is one up more than nine. <laughs> they answered the question, and they got an answer we didn't expect. <laughs> I am pleased. I am not. Uh, all right, fuck it. So, uh, as for yes. uh, guessing the episode, though, we actually had two come in. Let's take a look and pull these up. Uh, so the first one we had for our guest was uh, on the Instagram post. It was from Tachi underscore Camargo, who put Loki. So congratulations, you correctly guessed the episode. And let me just pull up the second one here, because this one was on our question. And this one is also from Tachi underscore Camargo, but she put Sylvie. Hmm. Hmm. Both uh, kind of correct. To be fair, it also looks like uh, we got a guess on this episode on the Instagram post from uh, Hannah J underscore 13 and made the very surprising guess that today's podcast was going to be about Mothman, um, which is not accurate. I just feel that I mean, there, might that was wrong. there might be that a Mothman was, um, Loki out there. A Mothman, Loki. A, oh, could be, a Mothman Loki could be interesting. No, we're not putting that into the universe because <laughs> now we're going to get an answer from Hannah J about how Mothman Loki is the most compelling Loki and we need to fucking watch it to, to explain. No, I don't universe, want that over the universe. If anyone puts that as an answer, I'm never acknowledging another answer you give in the future. <laughs> so we got one answer for Mothman Loki. We got an answer from uh, Tachi about Loki. And then we got an answer from, I'm going to assume at this point, a variant Tachi Camargo is from the universe where her MCU has been Sylvie up to this point, and then male Loki was the introduction. Oh, so she just watched the Sylvie Netflix series. Exactly. That, uh, I, I said Netflix series incorrectly, but also <laughs> in this universe, Disney Plus never existed, so all these Disney Plus series are just on Netflix. Yeah, so that's what um, I choose to believe here. It's not that uh, Tachi answered it, twice in a it, cheeky way. It was that there's two different Tachis now because of the timeline. Of course. That means we're moving closer to a multiversal war. Excellent. Are we going to see Tachi the Conqueror in the future? Is that what we're building towards? That sounds horrifying. It does. It sounds terrifying. Uh, so with that terrifying thought in mind, I just want to go out and thank all of our lovely listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, remember that you can always find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms. We also upload these to YouTube. Uh, and make sure that you follow us on Instagram so you see when we post about new episodes or when we're recording, and maybe we'll post about other stuff too in the future. Who knows? Um, oh, yeah, we also post our questions to Instagram. That's the easiest way to answer our questions, although you're also welcome to email us your answers at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. That's whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. All those words are spelt the way words are normally spelt. Reach out to us there with answers to our questions or just suggestions for what our podcast should be about. Uh, make sure you tune back in in a fortnight when we record our, not record, when we release our next episode, which, what's our next ex episode going to be about, Matt? Our next episode is going to be about Avatar, plain and simple. Didn't we already do an Avatar podcast? Ah, but this one's with a twist. Mm -hmm.